The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to you. Ah, it's Wednesday, huh? Wednesday. It's weird Wednesday is what it is. Go ahead. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, anyway. Welcome to Brutal Nation. The podcast series is dedicated to the lesser known serial killers and acts of true crime from time to time. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, the hairiest of all beasts herself, Tammy, the Sasquatch Underwood. Say good, Tam. Hi, everybody. Stop making fun of my frizzy hair today. I can't help it. The weather here is I think weird. it's a very 80s-esque. It's like Bon Jovi. Like, when you walked in, kind I expect you, expect you to go, shot through the heart. <laughs> or poison. Every rose has its thorn. No, that song came out when they started taming down their hair. It's more like uh, either Unskinny Bop oh, or... Yeah. Um, unskinny Bop, Bop, Bop. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All right, so today you have something called The Monster of Florence. Monster I'm Monster of Florence. I think I saw that horror movie. You might have. It was made into a movie, and oh. I'll hit in on something here in a second, but this story is, and I'm sorry about this, but it is very, there are a lot of players in this, and... Don't hate the player, hate the game. I know, right? So anyways, there are a lot of players in this case, and it's um, very convoluted. So you kind of got to pay attention. So don't be texting people, Scott, and don't getting up and walking away. I'm actually texting your mom right now. Yeah, whatever. Hey, baby. How you doing? She's real good. Is Is she doing all right? I'm not even playing into your little shit right now. I have no tolerance. (laughs) I have zero tolerance for Scott shit. Ron, I talked about the uh, upcoming podcast that you and one of our researchers are going to be doing. Oh, Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I told her to get a hold of you, too, because, you know, she's also an, 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 an... an esthetician. See, she she had to say it twice for me because I still can't pronounce it, believe it or not. Yeah, not as in an anesthesiologist. It's an anesthetician. Yeah. They're yeah. the ones who do facials, waxing, <laughs> nails, all I that I do shit. facials. You're not a licensed esthetician. It was weird because I passed by one place that said facials 20 bucks. I started thinking to myself, huh, I've been giving them away for free all this time. God damn. I'd be rich by now. That's and you're right. a disgusting motherfucker. <laughs> rub it in, rub it in. Sorry. <laughs> You know, I totally channeled you right there. <laughs> Just a spoonful of sugar. Some <laughs> medicine. <laughs> Stop. I was channeling you for a second. Now I'm really disgusted with myself. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> oh, hang on. My little thingy. So, yeah, she was doing really good. I actually went in there uh, right at my appointment time because she's in that new place. Have you been to the new place yet? No, not yet. Oh, okay. So you walk in and... Uh, I was the, having car issues last the month. The owner's name is Donna, and she's really nice. So she's there with uh, an apprentice. They're doing some woman's hair. So first thing I said when I walked in, I left my cowboy hat in my truck. I said, I'm here to get my hair permed. <laughs> and they were cracking the hell up. So I get them a laughing and what have not. And then I go Only in with you. Michelle. And then they got her a laughing. Her and I were talking. Because I, I absolutely adore Michelle. I do, too. Like, I love her. Seriously, if there is anybody that I would drop things for, she's definitely one of those people. 
Like, cause she's not you, cause you're you're an asshole to me all the time. Shut up! I am not. I do every anytime you need something, I am there for you. I Who say took, nay nay. No, wait. Shut up. Who came over and took your dog to the vet while you were working? Okay, no, that was you. Okay, now wait. Who took your dog to vet on a Saturday when you were home? No, that was you. Okay. Who's cock blocking me from getting with her with her mom? Oh, that's that me. was you, one hundred percent. That's right. I'm just saying. Or in your, in, I do things for you. In your, cla- in but your not case, that thing. In your case, it's a clam jam. You know what? Whatever. <laughs> there are just some things the law does not allow, and that's one of them. <laughs> but anyways, so yeah, so no, she is. I just, I just love her to death. Mm-hmm. So when it came to when I found out about this case, I couldn't wait to cover it, mainly because, and here's why. I am a huge fan of the Hannibal Lecter movies, mm-hmm. and this case was the inspiration for the actual Hannibal movie no, when he's that. in Europe. Nice. Yeah. I've seen. I've definitely seen it then. Oh, yeah. You've seen this one. You, of course. You've seen all of the Lecter movies, haven't uh-huh. you? Like me? Yep. Yeah. I still can't get over that bathtub scene in Silence of the Lambs. That was so <laughs> gross. I, I mean, I don't like taking baths anyways because I watched Nightmare on Elm Street 1. But and I'm always afraid Freddie's gonna suck me into the tub. I kinda, However, <laughs> I kind of liked it when he made Gravely Yoda in his, his own, own brain. brain. That was freaking awesome. That was freaking fantastic. That was beautiful. Yeah. So, anyways, um, the monster Florence is the moniker that the Italian media used to refer to the series of murders that occurred from 1974 to 1985. However, there was one murder that occurred in 1968 that has been connected to the killer's murders in 1982. All of these murders occurred in the province of Florence, hence the name. That makes sense. Yeah. Each incident involved a double homicide of two individuals that, that had would, parked. Yeah, definitely or, be double. I know, but two. I wanted to say couple, but then there's one case. Oh. Anyways, that had parked or camped in remote countryside areas around Florence, Italy. And there was there was another aspect of the case that really stood out. All of the murders happened during a new moon cycle. Hmm. Okay? Which might sound familiar to you, but I will get into that in a moment. Uh, the killer used a couple of different weapons, which included a knife and a twenty-two caliber Beretta. Half of the cases seem to have a sexual component that I will get into in a moment. And law enforcement officials believe this component component was the killer's motive for murdering his victims. Now, through the years, the authorities have pulled have done several investigations. And um, you can probably imagine the list of suspects. However, I will say this. I understand now why there was so much controversy around the Amanda Knox case because law enforcement officials in Italy are inept to say, I mean, according to this case, from what I've seen in this case, inept to say the least. Um, Remember that one case you did where they brought in like 500 million suspects? (laughs) Yeah, that was the one. Wasn't that the Delphi? No, that was the one out of Austin, Texas. Um, oh, the Servant Girl Annihilators. Yeah, that was yeah. it. Yeah, well, I might top you here. Get the hell up. No. You're talking Old West Cowboys going on. Uh, we're going to catch him after we get a few drinky booze. <laughs> Yeehaw. Hey, don't forget we have our peppermint shine to 
our pepper. If my stomach fine. can handle it, because I really feel like shit. Whatever, wuss. Well, I yeah, thought I want, you could drink with me. I want to do some day drinking today, but I've I've been feeling like shit for like the last week. Like horrible, horrible. I, have, I told bad. you I could fix that problem for you. Like I actually threw up a few days ago. Um, Jake heard that one go down. <laughs> oh, you know what's really weird is this morning before I came over here, I was sitting in my room putting on my socks and I started gagging. I was like, "What the hell's wrong with me?" Did you put on pit stick? I use deodorant every time I get out of the shower. <laughs> Just asking Bastard. for a friend. Just asking for a friend. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, anyways. Um, as I present the case, I hope that you find it as interesting as I did while I was digging through it. Um, but like I said, you really kind of need to pay attention because it is really weird. So let's talk about the victims and what happened. Okay. On August 21st, 1968, I'm going to talk about this case even, you know, because it's tied in somehow. 32-year-old Barbara Lochi, a homemaker, and 29-year-old Antonio Lobianco. Those are very Italian names. Very. Buongiorno. I know. They were the first suspected victims. They were in Signa, a town just west of Florence. Now, it was well known around town that Barbara had been having several love affairs throughout the years. In fact, she had earned the nickname Ape Regina, which translates to Queen Bee. She was married to an older man named Stefano Mele. Now, on the evening in question, the lovers were sitting in the front seat of the vehicle, and Barbara's six-year-old son, Natalino Mele, was asleep in the back seat. Wait a minute, she's not fucking this dude. Just let me finish my story. At some point, the unknown suspect, the unknown, (laughs) I missed a word here. Killer approached the vehicle, raised his 22 caliber handgun, and then he shot both Barbara and Antonio. But he did not harm the child. See? Just give me a minute. Good guy. <sighs> now, Nat- Natalino woke up when he heard the gunshots, obviously. When he discovered that his mother was dead, he got out of the car and ran. At approximately 2 a.m., he ran up to the door of a house located roughly two dang my nose itches kilometers from where the vehicle was parked. As he knocked on the door, he yelled, Open the door, let me in. I'm sleepy and my daddy's sick in bed. Then you have to drive me home because my mother and my uncle are dead in the car. I thought he was. I thought the next line was going to be not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Shut up, housekeeping. No, the landlord <laughs> of the house. Do you, do you want a chocolate? <laughs> the landlord of the house called the authorities, who arrived a short time later. And when the police officers got there, they started asking the kids some questions. The first thing they wanted to know was how such a young boy could traverse a country road all alone. Especially since the road was unpaved, it was dark, and it was about two hundred two kilometers from the crime scene. I know. Tell how me how he did it, Scott. He was listening to John Denver. Country roads take me home. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's how he did it. Thank you. Yeah. See, I, I'm a t- I, I should be a fucking detective. Tube sock. <laughs> no, because that's fucking retarded as shit. That somebody's killing people. And his moniker is a goddamn tube song. Oh, his calling card. That was, I mean, I'm telling you, it's so funny. It's retarded. Um, 
And if you're out there being a fucking serial killer and you are currently using a tube sock, knock the fuck off. Find another ligature and don't bother. I think tube socks are a waste of time. Me too, unless you're masturbating and you're a teenager. Why do you think that's what nylons are for? Why do you think so many guys have a foot fetish? A lot of them lost their virginity to a dirty gym sock. Oh my god, I think I'm gonna. Oh, my head's exploding. I literally, my head's going to explode any second now. Little fun guy? No, dude. You're disgusting. Shrimp shrimps? Oh, I want, I want some killer burger right now. Oh, my God. No. You said fun guy. Anyways, um, at first, Natalino told them that he was alone the entire time during this trick. Then he changed his story and said that he had been dri- driven to the house by either his father or his uncle. And now, keep in mind, he referred to all of his mother's lovers as uncles, which is why <laughs> I didn't date when my son was little, because I didn't want uncles all around. <laughs> keep in mind, he was only six years old. His mother had just been shot, and he had seen her dead body. Okay? Several years later, when he was questioned by detectives again, in that interview, he told the authorities that he was alone when he ran to the house from the car. However, he also stated that he was so shocked that the events of that night were very fuzzy to him, which I understand. He was six. I know, I dig. I'm picking an iron chip. You, know, you don't really remember a whole lot when you're six. You don't pay a whole lot of attention to detail. Oh, oh yes, I do. So there At I was. At six years old, Scott? Oh, yes. Okay. Tell me. Picture so. it. Georgia. <laughs> 1970s. <laughs> there Wait, I was. 1979. <laughs> there I was in my little cutoff Daisy Dukes. <laughs> One of my balls hanging out from the bottom. I'm going. I'm leaving now. Wearing nothing but, but Daisy Dukes and cowboy boots and a hat. <laughs> my butt was flapping in the wind. Honey, your butt flaps in the wind now. And I saw a big old hose. Your, your butt sounds like this. That would be your Squatchzilla. No. <laughs> so, helicopter, anyways, helicopter. I hate you. Eventually, law enforcement officials felt they had enough evidence to make an arrest. They charged Barbara's husband, Stefano, with the murder. Oh, Stefano, you are yeah. not the man. At his trial, he was convicted and wound up serving six years in prison. Now, Stefano always maintained his innocence. And on numerous occasions, he claimed that one of his wife's many lovers was the true perpetrator. If you want to be my lover. Now, my question is, is why didn't, well, I'll get into it in a minute. In fact, the authorities did consider a few of them suspects. However, the detectives weren't able to find any evidence to link one of them to the murder. And they were ruled out since they had been incarcerated on the occasions when the other murders were committed. Now, on July 20th, 1982, law enforcement officials were able to link this case with four different double murders in the Florence area beginning in 1974. They made this connection when they received a letter from an anonymous person who had signed it simply, Un Cidadino Amico, which translates to a friendly citizen. Now, On that same day, Magistrate Vincenzo was examining the case file when he came across something of interest. 
he discovered five shell casings and five bullets that had been stored in a folder inappropriately. And that folder was located in the case file of Barbara's husband, who we know had been convicted already. <coughs> now, apparently, the authorities weren't able to verify the chain of custody on those items, nor did they order the lab to run a scientific comparison. And these tests would have been required to determine if they matched the 1968 ballistic report. See the ineptness? And here... From the beginning. And, and here, and this is not me just being an asshole here, chain of evidence is so important that something like that the attorney would automatically get that case dismissed. Oh yeah, totally. There's a and vacated. Break, yep, because there's a break in the in, in the chain of evidence. Yeah, and and there's that, no way to prove where it came from or who put it there. So, for those of you that don't know about chain of evidence, from the time that an, uh, a crime is investigated, especially a homicide, everything gets bagged and tagged. And when you hand that evidence off to, let's say, the forensics team, yes, they have to sign for every piece of evidence and they have to initial it when they cut it open and uh-huh. everything and anything that is um what's the word i'm looking for um like bio yeah. you know bio you know what i'm saying has to be put Biological. in paper bags yes because plastic diminishes it Correct. Yeah. But everything has a, the, the organic. That's, that's what I was looking for. Organic. Yeah. Because, uh, it, but everything gets handed off hand to hand, signed for. That chain of custody cannot yeah. ever be compromised. Because even, let's say it's something simple. Let's say it's a cigarette butt that you found on the ground that doesn't even belong to the victim or the killer. But still, it's in the vicinity. It's in the vicinity, and that chain of custody on that irrelevant cigarette butt yes. is broken. That case will get vacated. It will get dismissed. And mm-hmm. I don't care if that guy has blood on his hands. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Because that means that, hey, everything else gets called into question. Why, you may have placed that blood on that on that guy's uh, yeah. pants that well, belong to the victim. not only that thing. is they have to lay those little number markers down by it and take photographs before they even bag it. Yes. So there's... There's photographic proof of where they found the evidence. Yep, where it was found, yes. how it was collected, yes. who collected it. The, that's it's pretty fucking... It's was, very in-depth. I was reading the whole thing about that. I'm all, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, I I, look, I took a free class on forensics, you know, collecting forensics, and it was, whoa, whoa. I was reading a whole article about that shit, you know, not as in-depth as a class. I'm like, God damn, and I thought writing music was fucking... Like pretty in depth when I'm yeah. if I'm writing like orchestral music or something that's pretty intense and in depth. That shit right there, holy Jesus! Yeah, there are so many, and it has to t- be like you have to do it step by step. You can't mm-hmm. like skip ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can't just say, "Hey, I just collected this. I'm just going to run it to the to I'm the forensic run department. It to the lab. Run it to the lab myself." No, you yeah. can't. Because the second you drive off with that, nobody has signed off for it. Yeah. And these You're TV fucked. shows that show them picking something up and putting it in a bag right away, doesn't happen. No. No. Lies. Yeah. Lies. Home so lies. Later, it was determined that the shell casings had been fired from the same gun that had been used in four other murders linked to the unsub. Now, this finding indicated the person who killed Antonio and Barbara was connected to the other four double homicides. Therefore, her husband was released. And hopefully exonerated. And well, yeah, I don't hear they, anything more about him. They, they probably kissed his ass a whole lot, I would Probably hope. a little bit. And, uh, yeah, and then they probably said, no, your mama's a sauce is the best. It really is. You will go now. I love your mama's marinara. 
So. Yeah, that's right. You guys didn't think I'd get around to picking on the Italians, did you? Oh, oh shit. Guess what, motherfuckers? You were, were just Italy waiting now. for us to feature more Italians. Got to get into the Italians, man. And so. I know what they say. It's Italians. You don't say idly, do you? Yeah, I do. I say idly. <laughs> no, I'll say idly. Heck, I say, instead of saying Utah, every time I... Par- I pass by a Utah license plate. I go, hey, Jay, they're from Utah. <laughs> now, now, six years later, on September 15th, 1974, teenage lovers, 19-year-old Pascual, I hope it's General Core. You know it's Pascal, right? Huh? It's probably Pascal. Oh, yeah, probably. Pascual, Pasquale. Who cares? Anyways, <sighs> last name spelled G-E-N-T-I-L-C-O-R-E. That's too many. Uh, that's too many uh, uh, letters. Letters, yeah. That's not. That's Yours not a real... is Alexander. But mine doesn't have a thousand vowels in it, like that one there. That sounds like something I would order at a Italian okay, restaurant. Yours has I don't four vowels, and this one has one, two, three, four. But we can say mine, can't we? <laughs> Just saying. You know, he worked as a barman, which means bartender, and eighteen-year-old Stefania Patini. And she was an accountant. Ooh, where she the, sounds hot. And they were the, I know, huh? Ooh, they were the killer's next victims. They were in his Fiat 127 when they decided to park along a country lane located near Borgo San Lorenzo to have sex. The location where Stefania and Pet, whatever his name is, since you made fun of me, were parked wasn't very far from the teen club. And that was a well known, notorious disco in town. In fact, the teenagers fever boogie down. Disco is dead. Disco's never dead. Shut oh, your whore mouth. Disco's awesome. A little disco inferno going on. Your dog is feeling sorry for me. She came over here to love on little, me. Little Bee Gees. Come on. Saturday yeah. night fever. Anyways, in fact, the teenagers were supposed to be at the club hanging out with some friends. And that discoing. Night. To eight and then listening to some eight tracks. Staying alive, staying alive. They were no, no apparently they're not. I <laughs> know. Uh, uh. So the couple had been shot and stabbed by the insub. It was later determined that the killer had violated Stefania's corpse, so post mortem, with a grapevine stalk. What the flying fuck? Huh? I know. He had also disfigured her body with a total of ninety seven stab wounds. Damn, dude. Yeah. That's and not very disco of you. And the female was the only one that was stabbed. You know, dude, you could have bought your own 8-track player. I'm just saying, man. You didn't have to, like, jack him up or anything. No shit, yo. So a few hours before the murder, Stefania had told one of her close friends that there had been a weird man that frightened her. Then another friend of hers told the authorities about something that happened to her and Stefania a couple days before the murder. <laughs> Apparently, the two girls were having a driving lesson when a strange guy started following and harassing them. It's weird. I've given many women driving lessons. Not only that is, you frighten a lot of people, too. So, no, I don't, because I'm fabulous. You scare me. Several other... <laughs> you scare small children, so we're even. Shut up. Several... You're not a small child, Scott. Several other couples shut up, who had parked in the vicinity where the couple were murdered came forward to give their own statements. According to them, that area was well known to have voyeurs lurking around, and a couple of them had been acting very peculiar. Now, 
Well, hold on. Scott. Adding very, acting, you're a voyeur. That's peculiar. That's not, they make it sound like the voyeurism is like a normal thing. Like, hey, no, we're, we're just here. Everybody's going to watch us have sex. Except for that guy over there. He's a voyeur and weird. No, it's all weird, man. If you're peeking in on people having sex. I like to watch. Like what animals? But I don't use binoculars. That's why you you that that that's why you watch a lot of Discovery Channel. I'm understanding. Shut up! I okay, don't watch no, Discovery go for it. Channel. Animal Planet and shit. So on June the next murder occurred June 6, 1981. So three years later, and that's when an engaged couple, thirty year old Giovanni Fogi, he was a warehouseman, and twenty one year old Carmela De Nuccio, a shop assistant, were murdered. They were parked in a remote area near the town of Scandici, where the couple lived. The killer came up to Giovanni and Carmela when he shot and stabbed them to death. Now, after they were dead, the unsub pulled Carmela's corpse from the car. Then he took a notch knife and used it to cut out her vaginal area. Dude, the fuck, homie? Yeah, the following morning... 30-year-old Enzo Spalletti, a paramedic and known voyeur, told others about the murders. However, when he did this, the bodies had not yet been discovered. As a result, he was arrested and charged with murder. Did he have a vagina on him? No. no. And I'm, I'm asking, like, literally, I'm, I'm not even joking. Like, no. He cut off the vagina. I'm, I cut out her vagina. I'm assuming he took it with him as a trophy. That's my assumption, at least. I get into that in a minute. Oh, Okay. Yeah, towards the end. So, um, as a result, he was arrested and charged with murder, and he was in jail for three months before the charges were dropped, and he was released. The unsub cleared him of the charges by committing another murder. Now, on October 23rd, 1981, 26-year-old Stefano Baldi, shut up, a workman and 23-year-old Susanna Camby, a telephonist or secretary, were the next victims. The couple had been engaged and due to get married soon. They were in the park located near the city of Calenzano when this unsub shot and stabbed them to death. Afterward, he took out a knife and cut out Susanna's vaginal area exactly like he had done Carmela. So I mean, he hadn't done that in the past. So these are like not the in first 1960- two. No, not in 1968. There was no knife used. Okay. And then the first murder in um, blah, 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 74 did not have that. He just stabbed her 90-some times. So now with these last two, he's kind of up the game. He's up kind the of. ante. Yeah, very okay. much so. I'm just making sure that I'm following Yeah, this. no. Yeah. Um, so a couple of days before Susanna and Stefano were murdered, she told her mother something rather disturbing. Apparently, she had been out that particular day when a strange man started tormenting her. And at one point, he even chased her with his car. Now, the following morning after the murder occurred, Susanna's mother received a phone call. The anonymous caller on the other end of the line told her they they wanted to, quote, talk to her about her daughter. That's it. No. Okay. Yeah. And about her uh, car insurance or, or car warranty that's getting ready to expire. Probably. Okay, yeah, your car warranty on a 30-year-old vehicle. So, (laughs) seven months later, on June 19, 1992, another engaged couple that was supposed to get married soon fell victim. They were 22-year-old Paolo Maynardi, a mechanic, and 20-year-old Antonella 
Migliorini, M-I-G-L-I-O-R-I-N-I. She was a dressmaker. Miglorini. Yeah, that sounds like a pasta. That does, actually, yeah. Yeah. Now, I want to bet you she tastes great covered in sauce. Oh, dear God. The two of them were actually <laughs> so madly in love. Well, did she have extra cheese? <laughs> that was disgusting. Mm, so, <laughs> the two of them were so madly in love that their friends had actually started calling them Vinaville, which is an Italian brand of super glue, because they were practically inseparable. <laughs> okay? Now, that evening, the young lovers were in his Paolo's car when they decided to find a place to have sex. They parked the car on Provincial Road, located in the town of Montes, Montes Bertoli. I don't know. Now... Paolo and Antonella had just finished having sex. At least he let them finish when the killer approached the car and shot them. This time, he didn't take the time to mutilate Antonella since the road they had parked on was busy. Uh, in fact, several drivers who had passed by the car came forward to offer their statements, and they said they passed the car, that when they passed the car, they noticed it parked on the shoulder and the dome light had been on. Now, when the couple was found, Paolo was still alive. But he was seriously injured. So law enforcement and paramedics were called to the scene. Why did I put, I always do that. Um, called to the scene. However, it wasn't quick enough. A few hours later, hours after he arrived at the hospital, he succumbed to his injuries and died. At the time, the authorities indicated that Paolo had either seen or heard the unsub approaching. And it looked like he had tried, because it looked like he had tried to drive away, but he had lost control of the vehicle and they wound up on the other side of the road where they got stuck in a ditch and the killer shot them. Son of a ditch. Son of a ditch. So, however, another crime scene reconstruction was done and it suggested an alternative scenario. This time it appeared as if after the unsub shot the couple, he got into the car so he could pull it a short distance ahead where there was a wooded area that looked like it was the perfect location to conceal the vehicle and the bodies. And apparently he was the one who lost control of the car and got stuck in the ditch. Then he fled the scene before another driver stopped when he noticed it a few short minutes later. Okay. So then about, oh, a year later, a little over a year later, on September 9th, 1983, two young Germans, shut up, 24-year-old Wilhelm Frederick Horst Mayer. And his, Horst Mayer. Yeah. And his 24-year-old friend, Jens Uwe Rusch, were murdered. Both of them were seniors studying at the Faculty of Fine Arts located in Osnabrück, Italy. Hold on, hold on. I got a quick question. Are, is this a male and a female? Wait, can I finish my description? Uh, I, okay, no, I, I didn't know if you were going to say because you. I explain like, things. Well, here's the because up until now you've said the fiance of girlfriend of or worthless fucking whore who had her six year old in the back who was banging a bunch of dudes while her six year old was in the well, car. Well, give me a minute. The pair had gone out to celebrate that evening because Wilhelm found out he had won an important scholarship. Now, unlike the other couples, Wilhelm and Jens were both males. Oh, they were okay. in a Volkswagen Samba bus in the town of Galuzzo when the unsub shot them to death. Now, the police theorized that the killer may have assumed Jens was a female because he had a small stature and he had long blonde hair. And he was pretty. Yeah. So However, pretty. the authorities also suspect that the two men were, in fact, lovers 
because this theory was developed when the cops found certain pornographic material in vehicle. Oh, okay. It didn't go into detail what it was, but I can assume. Okay, and I, I don't fault them. No, I me mean, neither. If, that, that's if, that, if they're lovers, I mean, mm-hmm. go for it, man. You know? I know, because I was a little confused, too, on why he targeted two males. That's why, yeah, that's why when you brought that up, I was yeah. like, just two, what the fuck's going on yeah. with this? Because that's not, people don't normally change their modus operandi right. that much. Right, it's but just remember point. when the I, I-70 killer, the guy who went around shot those shopkeepers, how they think he targeted one of his victims who was a male because the guy had long hair and an earring? So um, this is kind of the same situation. Then, almost a year later, again, on July 29, 1984, Sweetheart's 21-year-old Claudio Stefanacci, a law student, and Pia Gilda Rontini, that's a pasta. That's a pasta and a half right there. Come on. She was a barmaid and cheerleader, and they were murdered. They were parked in Claudio's Fiat Panda in a remote wooded area. A lot of Fiat going on. I know. Well, it's Italy. I think that his actual victim pool has nothing to do with gender. He's at people in Fiat's. You think he wants a Fiat? He's all like, fuck those Fiat's, man. I'm going to shoot them all. Yeah. So they were in a remote wooded area in the vicinity of Vicio, and the unsub shot and stabbed the young couple to death. Afterward, he cut off Pia's left breast and carved out her vaginal area. Now Damn, re- he upped the game a little bit, yeah. man. Now, reports indicate that a couple of hours before they were murdered, they were at an ice cream parlor, and a strange man was seen following them around. That is so romantic. No, no, seriously, that's the sweet... The that's ice like cream a, parlor? There's a little love story like we that. We used to go to the ice cream parlor when I was in high school. There was one down the road from the movie theater. But that's a sweet little date, you know? Mm-hmm. You're going to the ice cream parlor. You're maybe sharing a shake, maybe some ice cream. And then you go to a wooded area and neck. And then, you Canoodle. know... Maybe, Maybe, you know, you want to go see a movie or you you take a walk mm-hmm. hand in hand, a little, little hand holding, a little kissy kissy. It's nice. It's sweet. No, I'm not even making a joke this time. I know. I like, I like a little bit of romance. Okay. So then one of Pia's close friends told the authorities that Pia had told her about something that had been happening while she was at the bar working. She said that an, quote, unpleasant man had been bothering her. You know, one time I got so drunk I peed my pants. I'm done. <laughs> now, then a year, almost a year later again, it was either September 7th or 8th. They're not sure why, when, and I'll tell you why here in a minute. Two lovers from Audencourt, France, 25 year old Jean Michel, uh, I can't even pronounce that last name, K R A V E I C H V I L I. He was a musician with Georgian heritage. Kikovici? Kravichet. I don't know. Kravichet. Okay. I don't know. All right. And 36-year-old Nadine Moreau, a tradeswoman, were killed. I like that. The first one is kind of an old name, but then you go to Moreau. He had Georgian heritage, so, you know. I like that, the Moreau. Yeah. That's that's very, very French, very. Very I look at her and I go, yeah, exactly. I look at her and she should be smoking a cigarette like this. With the long uh, black filter. Like Audrey Hepburn. Nasty American. (laughs) We don't care about you. I want my cheese. And my wine. Bring me my wine. And my cheese. (sighs) 
to hell with this espresso. Oh, so the two of them were on espresso a... yourself. <laughs> the two of them were on a camping trip in Italy and decided to stay in a wooded near area near San Cassiano when they encountered the unsub. Nadine had been shot and stabbed to death while she lay sleeping in the small tent. Jean-Michel's body was discovered a short distance from the campsite. Um, the authorities believe that he was attempting to get away from the killer when he was murdered. Similar to some of the previous murders, the unsub mutilated her corpse. Now, since the couple were foreigners on a vacation at the time, a missing persons report wasn't filed right away. So therefore, their bodies weren't no, discovered. So that's why they don't know whether it was a... Se- Seventh or eighth. That makes sense, yeah. Apparently, this lack of publicity didn't play into the killer's hands. He sent the state prosecutor, Sylvia Della Monica, a taunting note. In the same envelope, Sylvia found part of Nadine's breast. The note indicated that another murder had occurred, and he challenged her and the authorities to locate the victims. Dude, this guy's got brass balls. Yeah, apparently he wasn't happy with the fact that he didn't see his work on the news. So, as it is, a couple of hours before she received that letter, a guy was out actually out picking some mushrooms around the area the couple had been camping in when he stumbled upon the bodies. Now, Jean-Michel and Nadine were the last known victims of the monster of Florence. Okay? Okay. All right. Now, this is where it gets very convoluted, is the authorities didn't realize that the murders were linked until Giovanni and Carmela were murdered on June 6, 1981. That's when the local newspaper wrote an article about the Pasquale and Stefania's murder on September 15th, 1974. This article prompted law enforcement officials to run a ballistics test on the shell casings from the crime scene, and the test confirmed that both murders had been committed with the same gun. Now, the reporter who wrote the article, Mario Spezzi, is the first person to refer to the unsub as the Monster of Florence. As I noted earlier, a couple of days after those two were murdered, the police arrested Enzo Spalletti, the unknown voyeur for the crime. However, he was released from jail after Stefano and Susanna were killed on October 23rd. Then, when Paolo and Antonella were murdered on June 19th, 1982, the authorities decided to leak some false information to the media in hopes of drawing the unsub out of hiding. Here, killer, 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 killer. Yeah. They said that once Paolo had reached the hospital, he had actually regained consciousness before he died. Now, a short time after the press released that information to the public, the police received a, quote, anonymous tip. And that tip told them that they needed to take a closer look at the August 21st, 1968 murder of Antonio and Barbara because the killer had used the same gun in the later murders. The problem the authorities faced then was that Stefano, Barbara's husband, had already been had already, quote, confessed and was convicted of committing that murder. Since he was already in prison, he wasn't considered a suspect in the murders that occurred in September 74 through uh, September of 1974, June 1981, and October of 1981. Now, when they took a closer look at the statements Stefano had made during his interrogation, they discovered there were some inconsistencies. 
For instance, at one point, he shifted the blame among several of his acquaintances and family members who lived in Sardinia. The first person the authorities arrested after receiving the anonymous tip was Francesco Vinci, D-I-N-C-I. He was one of Barbara's former lovers. And his car had been discovered hidden away on the same day that the police leaked the false information about Paolo. And they kept him in jail for more than a year, even after the Wilhelm and Jens were murdered in 1983. Now, Mario Rotella, the examining magistrate, chose to cast a wider net rather than release the guy. That's when Giovanni Mele, Stefano's brother, and Pero... Mucchiarini, his brother-in-law, were taken into custody. While they and Francesco were being held in custody, Claudio and Pia were murdered in July of 1984. That's when the decision was was made to release all three of them. Now, next, Rotella decided to focus his attention on Salvatore Vinci. He was the brother of Francesco, and he was also another former lover as well as former tenant of Barbara's. Damn, this bitch has slept around. Apparently, Salvatore... No respect for her, man. I know. God damn, she's seen, she has seen more dick than a urologist. That's the problem. Okay, look at you, man whore. What'd I do? What's the difference between a man sleeping around and a woman sleeping around? Because if a man does it, we sit there and go, <laughs> my number's high. And when women do it, neither your whore. See, that's exactly what I was thinking you were going to say. I had a boyfriend tell me one time that it didn't matter how many men, women a man slept with because technically he was a virgin every time he took a shower. All he had to do was wash really it off. In a obscure way, it almost makes sense in a really convoluted, fucked yeah, up I way. Yeah, I slapped him when he said, I didn't slap him hard, but I slapped no, him. To, to be honest, uh, you know, so just to clear things up, I don't care how many women or how many... Uh, Guys, a chick has slept with. Like, seriously, because, okay, when you go to buy a car, you don't just fucking jump in the car and drive it off the lot, and that's what you buy. You test drive a few. You know, maybe you find that you like Toyotas better than anything else, and maybe you like Chevys. Wait, wait, wait. So you're equating sleeping with a woman as test driving a vehicle? You're going to test drive the woman? Goddamn right. Hear me out. Hear me out, motherfuckers. What if you get married to this woman? That's right. She's playing with your stick ship. But it's like a certain woman that we all know, and it's like throwing a a, a hot dog down a hallway. That's not not a good match, man. It's going to suck. Your your sex life is going to suck. You want somebody who, on on that intimate level, that sexual level, that you go, hey, you know what? The sex is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I can live with this. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, let's go to one even better. The chick I told you about who just smiled. Oh, my God. The creepy one. You know, let's say that right off the bat, we don't have sex. We get married. And I wasn't married to her, by the way, boys and girls. No, um, this wasn't one of his, his many mistakes. You know, um, and all of a sudden, you're trying to get a little sum-sum, and they're just smiling, looking up at you and smiling at you all creepy. That would freak me out. Yeah. You test drive that shit first, man. Oh, I hear you chirping, Big Bird. You take it around the blocks of block a few times. Well, you make sure they're not insane. Because you never know about compatibility and shit like that. I mean, I don't know. Right. You know, I mean, one one person might say, hey, I want to take a poop on your chest, and that might not be your deal. It's not my deal, because I know if a chick said that, I'd be like, 
Um, look here, you need to pack your shit. Get the fuck away from me because you're sick. It's not my deal. You're so weird. I gotta grab a hair tie. So, anyways, um, apparently Salvatore's wife was in Sardinia when she died in a fire. Even though her death had been ruled a suicide, who would kill themselves by setting themselves on fire? Although I do know about this one guy who did it. It was a, a documentary I watched. People suspected that she had been murdered. There I was with the moonshine steel. <laughs> How many of your relatives, Scott, have died that way? I'm counting. Few. Don't worry. I got time. Few. A few. At least two, three. Ten. Maybe more. (laughs) So a short time after Jean-Michel and Nadine were murdered in September of 85, Rotella arrested Salvatore and charged him for the murder of his wife. He had intended to start with that case before he charged the man for the murders committed by the monster of Florence. However, when Salvatore went on trial in Sardinia, the jury acquitted him on the murder charge. He walked out of the courtroom a free man. It was at that point that Pier Luigi Vigna and his brother Mario, they're playing Mario Kart. I understand. Yeah. The chief prosecutor chose to consider the possibility that the person who killed Barbara and Antonio in August of 68 had disposed of the gun after committing the murders. This is so convoluted. After which an unknown individual picked it up, and got their hands on it. In 1989, four years after the last murder, Rotella was forced to withdraw from the Monster Florence case. The Sardinian suspects had been, uh, and then the Sardinian suspects had all been officially cleared. Okay? So. I'm so fucking confused right now. I know, right? Jesus Christ. So was I. So by the time Rotella was taken off the case, Is that Rotel coming to can? Um, yeah, it's actually really good with uh, <laughs> some cheese sauce and chips. Meatloaf. I do it with meatloaf. Oh, yeah. Rotella and meatloaf. That'd be good. It's pretty, pretty bomb. So um, law enforcement turned to anonymous tips and computer analysis to find a new suspect. By the way, sometimes that can destroy a woman taking anonymous tips. <laughs> I have nothing. Catch, catch diseases that way. Just saying, boys and girls, that's your PSA for the day. Yeah. Anyways, this helped them find a new suspect named Pietro Pacciani. Now, you got to pay attention to this one. He already had an extensive record. In 1951, he had murdered the man who was sleeping with his ex-girlfriend, and he was sentenced to serve 13 years in prison. After being released, he was charged and convicted for the rape and domestic abuse of his two daughters. Ooh, goddamn. Yeah. Now, Pietro was arrested when Inspector Ruggero Perugini... I swear to God, you're going to go Ruby Roo. Yeah, like Scooby-Doo. She's just going to say Ruby Roo like Scooby-Doo. Nah. The fuck? This took a turn for the weird. So anyways, um, this guy discovered some incriminating evidence that was circumstantial at best. For instance, he noticed the similarities between the Monster of Florence murders and the murder Pietro committed in 1951. Then, after an extensive search of Pietro's house and property, there was only one piece of physical evidence found. 
In his garden, police found a bullet that had not been fired that happened to be the same brand as those used by the Monster Florence. Now, let me stop for a minute here. I don't have it in my notes. But let me ask you this. You you shoot guns. Yep. You have guns. Yes. How many brand? I mean, how many people would use the same brand you do? Millions. Thank you. Literally, even if you're buying the there, there's one that I've I've found at like by Martin Walmart occasionally. It's called American brand. It's it's crap. You don't. You, it's such a dirty oh, like round. Like American Pride cigarettes. Yeah, but the problem is just it's such a dirty round that the the powder doesn't burn clean, so you really got to break apart your guns and oh, okay. scrub them. They're, they're garbage. But even those shit rounds like that, I would venture to bet that millions of people See, that's what I figured. That, I mean, the chances of you having a bullet of the same brand as, oh, I don't know, Joe Blow down the street are right. probably pretty significant. Yeah, I tend to, like in rifles, I, I usually use like Winchester. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I like Winchester a lot. They, they they shoot right. They're they're accurate. They they're clean. You know. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones that I shoot. And you'll too. be haunted by the ghosts of people who were killed by them. Sweet. I hope so. But no, I I, I go for for cleaner rounds. No, um, I get it. Because uh, I don't like my gun to number one misfire, or two have to sit there and scrub every fucking inch. Or even worse is like because you know like with just with my 45, it's semi-auto as that slide's coming back. We get a lot of blow by, so that it, pretty soon your hands just all nasty. Yeah, just gnarly, dirty, fucked up. Thank you. I wouldn't know because somebody hasn't taken me to the gun range like he promised. What the fuck ever? I'm just saying, there's a lot of things you told me you're going to do. Because we've been happened. busy, bitch. Anywho, fucking women. So, I swear to God, that's why she takes most of the tips. What happened? She I take anonymous too, tips. She got too many anonymous tips, and then she got like the syphilis or something, and it affected her brain. Are you done? Yeah, maybe. Okay, thank you. No, you're not. But pH. Then her vagina fell out. <laughs> Didn't even have to get cut out by this crazy madman monster. Just fell right out. I have not been prolapsed yet. Then she had to use a stapler to get it all back up in there. I have nothing more to say. <laughs> So Pietro was charged for, with murder and went on trial in 1994, which resulted in a very controversial conv- conviction. During his appeal, the prosecutor actually sided with him, stating he was convicted on shoddy police work and a significant lack of evidence. Pietro won his appeal, his charges were vacated, and he was released from prison in 1996. After his release, the Supreme Court ordered a new trial, However, in 1998, before the ch- second trial began, he died. At huh. this point, doesn't need a new trial, then, huh? Yeah. At this point, though, Inspector Perugini had been replaced by Mich- Michel Guitari, G I U T T A R I, who desperately wanted to capture the monster Florence and went on a mission to do just that. After Pietro died, prosecutors tried two of his alleged accomplices for the murders, Mario Vanni and Giancarlo Lotti. Mario was a witness at Pietro's original trial, and during his testimony, he famously stated he and Pietro were only compagne di merende, which translates to picnic companions. 
That term later became part of the Italian vernacular. I am so going to start calling. When, a picnic companion? When my girlfriend and I have sex in the truck, I have a picnic companion. Because I'm playing with her basket. We're going out to eat. I'm done. <laughs> so Giancarlo was actually called to the stand as Guitari's uh, surprise witness. However, during his testimony, he stated that he actually, because during his testimony, he stated that he actually saw Pietro and Mario murder Jean-Michel and Nadine in September of 1985. It was me. Now, well, you were like 12, bitch. I was was a good shot at 12, too. However, after several rounds of questioning, he started to incriminate himself. (laughs) As a result, Mario and Giancarlo were both convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison. However, since their trial, the public has criticized the court's decision. There are several Italian citizens that believe the murderer is still out there. And I kind of believe them because, to me, this is all like a shoddy police work. They're just grasping at straws. You ever seen the Pink Panther movies? Yeah. This is much like the Pink Panther movies. Especially the ones with Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Yeah. This is like a comedy routine. Based on this shitty is the who's work. on first. Yeah, this is based on three stooges. This whole thing is based on shitty police work. Fucking, I swear to God, they're grasping this, at straws. During this era, it's almost like they hired the mentally retarded. You know, like Jesus Christ, do you guys all there at that time in Italy? Did 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 your all your law enforcement throughout Florence have Down syndrome or something? They, what were they called? What are they called? The the um, the Who? Polizai. They say police and... No, they call them something... The detectives. I can't remember what they call them. So, anyways... Detective Reno? No. (laughs) Guitari, at this point, was working for the police unit Grupo Investigative Delidi Seriali, which translates to Investigative Group for Serial Crimes. Now, this unit is also referred to as GIDES guides by the locals. He was the chief inspector in that unit, and in 2001, he made the announcement that the Monster Florence murders were more than likely connected to a satanic cult. Apparently, give me a fucking. Oh break. wait, it gets worse. Give me, geez, I've, this this is already irritating me. And let me tell you, not only are you people fucking stupid as shit. Why is it when they can't find a killer? That's not, and it's not just the the Italians, by the way. It's worldwide. All of a sudden, we suspect a cult is involved in doing this. This has to be some cult well, if you activity. Look into, it's Satan. Well, if you look into history, very few murders are committed as part of satanic rituals. Yeah, very few. Yeah, like it's animals. It's, yes, humans. No. It's just fucking stupid as shit, yeah. man. Every time they go, it must be satanic. That must be what it is because we can't find a killer. Yeah, no. So fucking apparently, at the time of the murders, this cult allegedly operated around the Florence area. Now, when Giancarlo Lotti testified in court, he mentioned that Pietro had been hired by a doctor for the sole purpose of committing the murders. After the murder was committed, Pietro was to make sure that he removed the woman's genitalia and take it to the doctor, and the doctor, in turn, would then use the parts for his satanic rituals. Sandwiches. Oh, my God, I'm going to throw up. 
I just picture that picture that John, our tech guy, sent us that one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so apparently, Guattari was justifying his statement in part on the fact that a pyramidal stone had been discovered. It was located close to the to a villa where Pietro was working at the time. He said that this stone indicated there had been some sort of cult type activity there. However, most of the public criticized this statement as well, saying the idea alone was ludicrous, especially since the those types of stones are frequently used by people around the area in place of traditional doorstops. That's what these detectives yeah. are. You, you, They're doorstops? I swear to God, you guys are as smart as a fucking doorstop. Yeah. So when the Christ. villa was searched, the Hold authorities... On. You detectives realize that even if people that are mentally... De- uh, incapacitated or diminished, they're listening to this, what you guys did, and they're going, they're fucking retarded. They're with, like, I have Down syndrome, but they retarded all the fucking time. And they, <laughs> they gave them guns and made them detectives? Why? The, uh, the, why? They all retarded. That's it. Apparently, you don't have to have any kind of schooling in Italy to be a a uh, law enforcement officer. Are you so, retarded? Come to fucking Italy. Be a detective. Yeah. Jesus so Christ. when the villa was searched, the authorities didn't turn up anything of significance. Duh. Yeah. Now, Perugia, which is a town's chief prosecutor, prosecutor Giuliano Mignini, Mignini the, and then the editor. Hold on. Does that come with breadsticks? Yes. I'm, I'm thinking about that. I'll, I'll take that, but I want... Breadsticks and the salad, the un- the unlimited salad too. So continue. Unlimited soup and salad. Yes. Okay. Anyways, then okay, there's three people involved here: the chief prosecutor, this Giuliano, an editor in chief for La Altra Re- Repubblica. Her name was Gabriella Carlisi, and then Guattari. Um, all had the same speculation. They believed that Francisco. Calamandre, a local pharmacist, and Francisco Narducci, two Franciscos, a physician from Perugia who was deceased, were involved in a secret society. Oh, my God. Wait, not only that, the three claimed that the secret society had ordered Pietro, Mario, and Giancarlo to commit the crimes. In an attempt to substantiate their claims, they had Narducci's body exhumed, and they charged... Calamandre and took him to trial. However, I was not able to determine what his actual charges were. As far as the exhumation of Narducci's remains, the authorities were unable to find any incriminating evidence. And not only that, Calamandre was exonerated completely at his trial. You think? Yeah. Fucking A. I told you, it's really bizarre. Normally, Normally, I am very sympathetic for law enforcement. I really am, because y'all have a really hard job. But these but, guys. Yeah, they are not God, only grasping at straws, damn. they are like fabricating shit. And the, the fucked up thing is like, you, you you can see this in if it was a comedy routine on HBO. Or, or the Three Stooges. The, the Three Stooges. Mm-hmm. This is real life. Yeah, exactly. These, these are, this is real life mental retardation posing as fucking law enforcement. Oh, but it gets better. 
Oh, let me, let me guess. Uh, hey, there's an old lady who's 101, and I'm pretty sure she is the Satanist involved in killing these people. She, she is the Lord God, or Lord Mother, or something like that. Yeah, that, that, that must be the next one, right? No. She, uh, arrest her. She's like, What are you doing? I have a, I'm in a wheelchair. I've been paralyzed all my life. No, you, she definitely did it. Definitely. There, there's You're no coming doubt about with us, ma'am. Because she has, she has a stone doorstop. So we know it had to be her. It matches. It matches the one that we found. It tracks. <laughs> Gee, but so while all of this was happening, Chief Prosecutor Mignini arrested Mario, Mario Spezzi, the reporter I talked about earlier. Jesus Christ. Now, man. apparently, Spezzi was leaning towards Salvatore Vinci as the most obvious suspect. Therefore, he was conducting his own investigation into the matter. Now, Magnini stated that he arrested Spezzi because the journalist's investigation was impeding his investigation on the two Francescos. He also claimed that Spezzi himself was a member of the secret society. You, you, you guys realize that you literally could have asked five-year-olds for help, and you probably would have gotten way further. Like, seriously. Way further. You could have looked at a five-year-old, hey, little Giovanni, who do you think it is? And they could point to, it's a him right there. And you'd be like, fuck it, arrest him. And you probably, you, you, you had a better chance of getting it right. Probably. you attempting to use your limited capacity. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about a secret society? And it's these motherfuckers. It's a yeah, society of idiots. You know what it is? It's their um, conspiracy thoughts it is yeah they're all getting together they're, they're talking about a secret society they are the secret society they let's get together and talk about this oh it must be this yeah. person over here because they have they they have hair and ears yeah and that you know uh, we're pretty sure that the uh, say that the guy who who's doing all this has hair and ears unless you're scott you have no hair you have no hair this bald is beautiful, and I'm aerodynamic. I'm like a dildo with ears. I know you say that all the time. It's disgusting. That way I can't make it all the way in. See, it stops right here. I'm done. That's why my ears are so big. So when Spezzi was arrested, there was a public outcry, not just from the citizens of Italy, but from around the world. Therefore, Magnini had no choice but to release the journalist, and the courts declared that his arrest was, in fact, illegal. As a result, both Guattari and Magnini were brought up on charges of abuse of office. Thank God. After that, the guide unit was shut down. And as of today, the authorities in Italy do not have an active investigation looking for the monster of Florence. Thank God. I'm not man. done. All the stupidity going on. Fuck. Yeah. <coughs> However, right over there? yeah, I just had that tickle that won't go away. Zip. Shut up. <laughs> so, there, I'm not done yet. There is one more aspect of this. A freelance journalist by the name of Francesco Amacone. Is everybody in Italy named Francesco? Or Giovanni. Yeah. Con- decided to conduct his own investigation on the case in 2017. His investigation found that there was a strong link between the Monster of Florence case and an unsolved case from here in the United States. We must have covered it. You've got that look. The Zodiac. Oh, yeah. No, that would make sense. Yeah. yeah. In fact, and I'll get into why. In fact, Amicone's findings were even published in two Italian newspapers, the Libero and the Il Giornale. I don't know. And one Italian magazine. Hey, I can pronounce this one Tempe. Um, (laughs) Arizona. No. Spelled different. Oh. Um, Like coffee, but not the same. Um, According to Amicone, the suspect is Joseph 
or AKA Giuseppe. And Giuseppe. Giuseppe. He was once the superintendent of Florence American Cemetery located in Italy. Now, Giuseppe was born in Totoa, New Jersey, on December 20th, 1935, and he served in the United States Army for approximately 20 years. And when he left the Army in 1974, he re- relocated to Florence, Italy. Now, in Amicone's article, he concluded Giuseppe's partial admission, no, he included Giuseppe's partial admission, which he apparently gave a full confession to the journalist. In Giuseppe's alleged confession, he admitted responsibility for both the Zodiac murders and the Monster Florence killings. And Amicone said that his conf- this confession was given to him on September 11, 2017, during a conversation that was not recorded. I'm not buying that one just based oh, on wait. this guy's age. Right. Well, wait. Let me get to it. The first publishing of Amicone's article was released in May of 2018, after which Giuseppe adamantly denied the journalist's claims. He even threatened to file a lawsuit against him. However, that didn't stop the journalist from voicing his accusations. According to Amicone, Giuseppe was an undercover CID agent, special agent, and was in San Francisco during the Zodiac murders. Apparently, he was there to investigate William O. Wooldridge and other sergeants of the U.S. Army. And so I want to take a moment to provide context for this claim. Now, the CID is the Criminal Investigation Division of the U.S. Army. Their primary responsibility is to investigate serious violations and felony crimes related to the military law and United States Code as it pertains to the U.S. Army. It is a separate military unit that is granted investigative autonomy. Now, special agents, they have consist of both civilian and members of the military, and they have a specific chain of command that they have to use in order for their findings, okay? Now, William O. Wooldridge was the command sergeant major of the Military Assistance Command in Vietnam, and in 1969, a congressional inquiry (coughs) accused him of corruption and fraud in relation to the military club system, and this fraud apparently amounted upwards of $150 million per year. Wow, damn. You go, boy. Yeah. In 1973, he struck a deal with the U.S. Department of Justice, and as a result, he pled guilty to accepting stock equities from a company, and that company was responsible for supplying various merchandise that was sold in the non-commissioned officers club in Vietnam. Now, during the inquiry, the government wasn't able to find wrongdoing of wrongdoing while he was a sergeant major. However, prior to 1969, prior to that incident, he was awarded the Army Distinguished Service Medal, and this medal was stripped from him after he entered his plea. Okay, so he's saying that Giuseppe was an undercover agent during that investigation. Okay? Yep, picking up what you're throwing down. Okay, now Amicone further claimed that while Giuseppe was a CID special agent, he was stationed in Italy during the early 70s. Apparently, he would have been able to access the case file regarding the murder of Antonio and Barbara from August of 1968. Allegedly, at that time, Giuseppe took the original shell casings from the evidence file that was later found to be stored improperly, and after he removed those casings, he replaced them with spent cartridges from the gun he planned on using later in the Monster of Florence murders. In other words, 
Anna Cohn is suggesting that Giuseppe was so ingenious that before he committed the murders from September 15th, 74 through September 7th or 8th of 1985, he found a way to link them to the August 21st murder of 1968 murder. By doing this, he eliminated himself from the suspect list because he had an airtight alibi for the first murder. Okay, I'm sorry, but what killer's going to do that? Number one, that's a really backwards, very fucked up and convoluted yeah. system. To go. No. Yeah. No. Okay. So due to Amicone's accusation, the authorities in Italy decided it was worth taking a look into. So in, 19, in late 2020, they collected DNA samples from Giuseppe to have it analyzed. Then in, on April 6, 19, uh, April 6, 2021, Luca Turco, lead attorney in the Monster and Flores investigation, requested the investigations being conducted about Amicone's claims against Giuseppe be closed. He released a statement to justify his request, at, the, at which time he said, and you're going to love this because I've been thinking it this whole time, this journalistic inquiry is characterized by suggestions, assumptions, and assert, asserted intuitions, and it does not contain any factual element likely to rise to the dignity of a clue. No shit, man. Yeah. So Fuck. after Giuseppe's investigation was officially closed, Turco went one step further. He went after Amicone and charged him for libel due to his inflammatory statements regarding Giuseppe and his alleged connection to the monster of Florence and the Zodiac murders. Good. Yeah. That case <laughs> made my head spin. I was up till 2 a.m. working on it. Jesus Christ. Yeah, man. I finally decided to get a couple hours sleep, but yeah. That was convoluted, huh? My mind's still reeling, to be honest. I'm just... Shaking my head, going. I didn't think that there was that much stupidity in the world yeah. from any law enforcement agency until you read this, and I'm like, well, I was wrong. Yeah, you thought Vancouver PD was corrupt. Oh yeah, but, well, don't even get me started on those assholes. Yeah, but no, this this I don't even really have any closing thoughts because I think it said it all. It really just told me that I don't ever want to, and, and like I said, I totally understand why there was so much controversy around Amanda Knox. Because it seems to me like they don't know what they're doing. They don't. They yeah. just call a spade a spade. They're freaking idiots. Yeah. So that's my Wednesday. Groovy. We're going to wrap this one up. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. <laughs> Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium. Crime Beat on Medium and wherever you get your blogs. Just type in at Brutal Nation. We'll pop right up. You get the whole story without dealing with half of my bullshit. This or any of it. <laughs> this show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.